Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. Take a seat. Well, greetings from Inverness. We have no snow in Inverness, uh, or nothing to speak of, but a little bit of, little bit of um, dust falls from the sky from time to time and, um, and then vanishes. Um, but um, you've had more, of your, more than your fair share, I can see, in the, in the Aberdeenshire countryside. A little bit about me, for those of you who don't know me. I um, came into what was then Christian Outreach Centre, our movement of churches, um, now called INC, in 1993 in Ayr in southwest Scotland. And I've got a bit more to say about that later. Uh, but we spent 10 years in Ayr with pastors John and Rachel Smiley and then moved to Inverness in 2003 to, um, to pioneer there. And it's been quite a journey, and, um, but, you know, when you're journeying with God, there's, um, it's always worthwhile. Um, every, every step of the road, whatever comes against you, um, you can be sure that God's with you and that there's a, there's a next step to follow. So um, ne- never, ever give up on the road that God's called you to. And as Kevin said, uh, we've just moved into our our new building. It's it's new to us at any rate. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's um, actually been standing there since 1852. <laughs> and um, it's uh, it's on the the riverfront on Bank Street in Inverness. For for those of you who know Inverness, it's a, a originally a, a Free Church of Scotland building, laterally Church of Scotland. And now INC. <laughs> the, and it's a really strategic location for impact in the city. So we're just believing for, for great things there. And um, we've, um, we've had renovations in planning for, for many years and in physical progress for about a year now. And things are still in progress. Uh, we need a carpet. We need central heating. Um, <laughs> we, have a, we have a battery of electric heaters down the, the sides and, and back of the, of the building at the moment, which are just about keeping the temperature acceptable. Um, so keep praying for us with the, with the building project, and we will get there soon. We're continuing the um, 360 series today, and the message of this series is really that, that ministry is for every believer. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about wearing a dog collar or, <laughs> or standing on a platform. Uh, ministry is about bringing the goodness of God into other people's lives yeah. and the world around us. And that's something we are all called to do, something every believer is called to. And that's uh, really a revolution in the way we think. It's a, it's a, it's a change of thinking. It's a, it's a brain transplant, if you like, um, because we need to realize that um, the church on Sunday is not about somebody standing on a platform ministering to me. 
Uh, although uh, that is a part of it, very much so. Um, those of us who are on the platform, we, we, we do aim to minister to you. But that's, that's not what Sunday church is all about. It's, it's about each of us becoming equipped to minister to others. Uh, Sunday church is, is as much about, uh, about what you bring as about what you receive. And it's also about the, the preparation for your week ahead. It's about what, what you're going to receive today that, that you'll be taking forth into the, into the world, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. When the pastor is not here, when the worship leader is not here, uh, when the, um, none of the church leaders are, are around you, when you're in your workplace, when you're in your place of study, when you're out in the streets, you're the minister. There are a few days in every life when the direction of your life changes or on which an event takes place which leaves you taking a different course from the one that you had before. Uh, perhaps it's a meeting with somebody significant. Perhaps it's, a, it's an interview. If you're married, then um, your wedding day was probably one of these days. And 24 years ago, the course of my life changed when I walked into a church service. I'd just moved to Ayr in southwest Scotland. I was looking around for a church. For me, uh, you know, I was a Christian, therefore I, I needed a church to go to on Sunday. That was, that was about where I was at uh, with regard to church. I, I, I wasn't looking for a church to to get involved in. I wasn't looking for a church to, to serve in or, or um, anything more than just um, coming along on Sundays, praising God and, and going home again. <laughs> and what I found was something totally different. <laughs> uh, because one Sunday, Kate and I walked into this um, run-down little community centre on a housing estate in the, in the north of Ayr. We'd seen advertisements in the newspaper for a, for a new church which had just started there. And as we approached the door, you had to walk the full length of the building um, to, to reach the front door. Uh, so you had an opportunity to look in the windows. And as we approached the door, uh, we looked in the windows and, and Kate said, there's not many people there. And she was absolutely right. Uh, I think there were 10 people there that Sunday, including us, and, and five of them were the pastor's family. And it was very rough and ready. Pa pastor John was the, was the worship leader. Pastor John was the takeover person. Um, pastor John was the, um, the, the info person. Um, Pastor John was the preacher, and Pastor John closed the, the service. <laughs> and the, the sound system was a, was a tiny little um, PV amp, which, um, which sat here with Pastor John's guitar attached. And um, that was it. And, you know, in, in natural terms, it didn't have much going for it. But um, there was something happened to me in the spirit that day. It took me a short space of time to realize it, um, Took, took me a, a, a few weeks to realize what had happened. But something got into my heart that day. 
as 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 we sat there and and uh, Pastor John wasn't sure if we were saved or not, so he, he preached a gospel message specially for us. And um, I, I, um, I went out the door um, saying to Kate, um, he preaches the gospel really well. I wonder if he can preach anything else. Um, so we went back to find out, and sure enough, um, he could preach very well on many topics. Um, much later, I learned that um, that um, as we had um, left the the building that day, um, Pastor John and Rachel had um, had said to one another, D- "Do you think we'll see them again?" And the um, conclusion had been, "Nah, don't think so." <laughs> but you know, God got a hold of my life that that day, and over the next few weeks. And I totally changed direction. I, ha- I had um, career plans. I had um, expectations about what was going to happen in my life, um, which included God, but, um, but didn't have God in the center. And it wasn't long before I realized that, that all the things I had thought of doing, my, my job, my career, my, um, my political career, which was one of my big interests at the time, that all of these things were pretty insignificant compared to the the calling of God. And we got stuck into church, and from then on, the the decisions we were making in our life were were about um, serving God and serving church uh, rather than about that that career or or those politics. And, you know, we began to get a hold of the, the... the mantle, if you like, um, around Christian Outreach Center, the, the, the spirit in the, in the movement, which was very much, a, 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 and still is, a pioneering spirit. It's a desire to do new things. It's a desire to break open new territory, to attempt things that no one else has ever attempted before. And in a spiritual sense, that was the exact opposite to where I was at at the time. Um, I liked, as, as far as church was concerned, to stay firmly within my comfort zone. I remember um, at, at my previous church in Edinburgh, there was an announcement one day that um, they were setting up this open-air evangelism team, which was going to go out um, talking to people at lunchtime in, um, in Princess Street Gardens. And um, at this other student, my friend Pete, uh, was on the team, and that just blew me away. And um, Pete's going to go out there and talk to strangers in in Princess Street Gardens. That um, that just um, blew my mind. And <laughs> then when I met Kate, um, I discovered Kate did something called Union Evangelism, uh, which meant um, this was something the Christian Union organised. Um, they would go out in, in pairs uh, of an evening, um, go into, um, into the student union buildings or, or into pubs and start talking to strangers about God. And I thought, no, I am never doing anything like that. <laughs> One day we had, um, we had a, an inspiring evangelist speaking in my, in my church in, in Edinburgh. And I got really convicted about the fact that um, 
that many of the, the people I was at university with didn't know that I was a Christian. And um, I, um, I went out of that meeting thinking, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Um, I know I'll, um, I'll start wearing a little cross and then, um, and then <laughs> people will know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> but, um, you know, when I, um, when I woke up in the morning the determination to wear my little cross had <laughs> totally gone. <laughs> but in COC, things began to change. As I connected with God in a fresh way, something began to change on the inside of my life. And I think it's summed up very well in these verses from Second Timothy chapter 1. It says, Therefore... I remind you, this is is Paul writing to um, Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And this is what was happening to me. It was this this transition. Um, Because up until that point, the spirit of fear had been operating in my life. I was perfectly willing to try new things in, um, in other fields of my life, but in, in church, in ministry, absolutely not. There was, a, there was a wall up, and that wall had been erected by the spirit of fear. Yeah. Yeah. But as I reconnected with God in the air church, the, these other things that Paul writes about, power, love, and, and a sound mind, these the Holy Spirit began to develop these in my life and the spirit of fear began to retreat. The, the spirit of power was starting to rise up and challenge fear. And, you know, that's a battle that takes place in all of us. And what I found was that, um, yes, fear, fear retreats, but um, it doesn't give up without a fight. And, you know, over these next few years, I had to constantly challenge myself and challenge myself to, to do new things. One day, Pastor John organized this, um, this um, door-knocking evangelism project uh, where we were going around with, um, with questionnaires and um, knocking on people's doors, you know, how, um, how, how could the church um, help you sort of thing. And this, um, as, I've, as I've explained, this was, uh, was not the sort of thing that I was into. But um, now, that was naturally speaking, now there's a spirit on the inside saying, uh, well, the church is doing this, so you need to give it a go. So by that stage, I was in a position where I, I was certainly not going to contemplate saying no. But that didn't stop me being absolutely petrified. <laughs> and... Um, Kate and I, for some reason, had chosen um, one of the most um, difficult streets in Inverness on a a rather dodgy housing estate. And uh, we turned up one Sunday afternoon um, to do an hour of this before church. And I parked the car, and then my hand just didn't want to open the door. (laughs) And I sat there thinking I do not want to do this I do not want to do this I think I sat there for 10 minutes before I summoned up the courage to to open the door and um, approach the first house and you know what I'd like to tell you today is that um, that we knocked on that door 
And the guy said, oh, yes, I was just waiting to receive Jesus. <laughs> um, what must I do to be saved? Uh, but I'm afraid it wasn't like that at all. Um, many of the people didn't, um, didn't even want to speak to us or open the door to us. Um, the first guy that did, he sort of stood there and, and glowered at us. And uh, we explained um, what we were doing and um, began to ask, the, ask him the questions. And he made it quite clear that he had no interest in church or, or what church could do for him. Um, and I'm beginning to, um, to sink into the ground at this point as, um, as he says, no, no, no. And then he, um, he points at Kate's feet and he says, you're standing on my daffodil. <laughs> and at that point, I just want the ground to open up and swallow me. And, you know, we persisted around that, um, that street. We um, knocked on um, 20 or so doors and spoke to a few people. Uh, we had no breakthroughs that day. And, you know, I, I don't know whether that was the, the best way to reach people anyway. But as I, say, I say we had no breakthroughs. There, there was one breakthrough that day, and that was a breakthrough that took place inside of me. Um, because I was, um, I was breaking the spirit of fear off my life that day. And my subject this morning is, is fearless ministry. And, you know, when the Spirit of God gets a, a hold of our lives, we need to, to rise up and, and challenge the spirit of fear. We need to, to take it head on and say, I may be apprehensive about this. I may be nervous about this. This may be totally not me, but I'm going to give it a go because God has asked me to give it a go. Later in 2 Timothy 1, Paul writes, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Now this guy has traveled to Rome. I don't know where he was from, but he's traveled to Rome specifically to look for Paul. He, he knows Paul's in trouble. He knows Paul's in prison. Uh, he knows Paul may lack many things and he comes to Rome specifically to minister to Paul. And he won't let anything stop him. Paul says he sought me out very zealously. And you know, when fearlessness rises on the inside of your life, you'll find a passion, a zeal for the things of God which wasn't there before. And even though the task is hard, even though it's, it was maybe difficult to find Paul, maybe it was a long journey to get there, um, Paul is this, is this prisoner. What, what uh, are the Roman authorities going to think about Onesiphorus coming to, to minister to a prisoner? Um, Paul says he was not ashamed of my chains. That indicates to me that some people, some Christians, were ashamed of, of Paul's chains. Uh, but not Onesiphorus. He won't let anything stop him. And, you know, when, when that fearlessness rises up on the inside, suddenly God's work becomes a priority for us. Suddenly the things we thought we were too busy to do 
begin taking first place in our lives. Suddenly we realize the, the things we thought were barriers to ministry cannot be allowed to hold us back any longer. And we sweep them aside. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And we really need to cultivate that spiritual fervor in our life because it's so easy for it to die. It's so easy. Uh, not because we've rejected God, not because we've gone off um, and left Jesus behind, but simply because the, the pressures of life, the, the busyness of everything else we have to do, come in around us and, and slowly draw the passion, slowly draw the, the fervor out of our lives. But never be lacking in zeal, says Paul. Keep your spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. Here's how the Amplified Bible puts that verse. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. I want to look back at the Old Testament. Uh, story about um, Jonathan, uh, the son of Saul, and um, Jonathan is, a, is an inspiration in this chapter. It's 1 Samuel 14. And the, the setting for this is the most unlikely setting that, that you could create for any sort of military success. Uh, the Philistines have been um, occupying the, the land of Israel to the extent that they have... Um, removed the weapons from the land and they've banned blacksmiths. You know, they're, they're, they're basically in, t in total control of the nation. If you're, if you're in a position to, to ban blacksmiths, you know, you're, um, this is basically an occupying army which has taken control of the land. And Saul was, uh, had the title of king, but he, he can't really have been much of a king at this time because the, the Philistines had um, taken away his authority. And Jonathan, Saul's son, and Saul, the Bible says, are the only guys that have, um, that have decent swords in the, in the whole of the army. I, I think the rest were probably fighting with, with farming implements or something. Um, but so Jonathan's got this, this sword, but he knows there's no army standing behind him um, ready to raise their swords in, in support. The, the whole place is in disarray. But he says this, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. And, you know, when you overcome the spirit of fear, you begin to see opportunities where others see none. And what Jonathan's doing is he's thinking about going where others did not dare to go. And later on, as you'll, as you'll see, many followed in his footsteps. But, um, but nobody was standing up to volunteer with Jonathan. Jonathan didn't even tell his dad that he was going. Why? Because almost certainly Saul would have said, no, um, you're not going over there. Um, the spirit of fear was around Saul's life. It was around this whole army, except in Jonathan's heart. And as you'll see, the heart of his armor bearer. And God calls us to be pioneers too. God calls us to, to do new things, to, um, to step out of our comfort zone, 
to step into that area of adventure, of, of excitement, where we're trying things we've never tried before and trusting God to break through. In verse 6, Jonathan continues, He said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. What you see here is a supreme trust in God. This isn't some airy-fairy thought of, of yeah, there's a, I, I know there's a God up in heaven sort of thing. This is solid faith. Jonathan's willing to step out and do something based on his knowledge and trust in God. He's basically saying here, if I put my life on the line for God, then he's going to be looking out for me. He's not intimidated by what he can see. What he can see is the edge of a, of a Philistine army where, where they all have swords, where they're all well-equipped, where they are all well-positioned, where they are all confident. And Israel has none of these things. But Jonathan knows that what he can see is not the whole picture. Jonathan knows that if you only look with natural eyes, then you can't see the God dimension. Circumstances can be so intimidating to us. Circumstances can be speaking strongly. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's scary. Um, but, and the, the spirit of fear will, will be constantly speaking to us saying, look what might go wrong if you step out. But the spirit of God says something different. The spirit of power says, look what God might do if you step out. And notice here, we need comrades. We, d- we don't need everybody with us. Pi- pioneers never do. But we need comrades. Jonathan didn't go without his armor bearer. And we too, we need a few faithful comrades who will spur us on to attempt great things for God. People who will always back us up, what, come what may. And, you know, if you're looking for people like that, then you've come to the right place this morning. Jesus said that if, um, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It doesn't take a, it doesn't take a huge crowd to, um, to carry the presence of God. It doesn't take a, a huge crowd to, to win the victory. Often God will do it with a few pioneers. Yeah. And here's what happened as Jonathan and his friends step out in faith. Verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor-bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp, those in the field, 
those in the outposts and the raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. You know, how is that for fearlessness? There's a boldness which has got a hold of Jonathan here. Uh, as he commits to God's work, it made no military sense at all to climb this cliff. It says he was using his hands and, and his feet. Why is it drawing attention to that? Um, because he can't fight if he's using his hands and his feet. He's, he's made himself totally, totally vulnerable in a natural sense. But, you know, sometimes when we make ourselves totally vulnerable in a natural sense, that's when God makes us invincible. And when we step out in fearless faith, we can achieve what most never do. These two men totally changed the circumstances for an entire nation. You see, they, only, they didn't have to fight the Philistine army. They only had to fight 20 men. And then God stepped in. And, you know, sometimes it's like that with us. God's saying, you step forth. You step forth. You get things started. And as we step out and engage the enemy, then God steps in and provides the miracle. Once Jonathan had taken the lead, many others followed. And they found it easy because by that stage, the the Philistines were in full retreat and they just had had to chase them through the hills. But Jonathan led the way. As, as he allowed fearlessness to take control of his life, he led the way for the whole nation to walk in victory. Battle. You might be thinking this morning, this is a series about ministry. What's it got to do with a battle? Well, actually, ministry is a battle. The, the devil is determined to stop you blessing people. And if you really do want to bless people, then you'll need to fight back. That's the cutting edge of spiritual warfare. And, you know, I think sometimes in the past, we spent too much time shouting at the devil in our bedrooms instead of getting out into the world and destroying his work. In 1 John 3, 8, sorry, I didn't give you this verse up the back. 1 John 3, 8, New King James, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil. And how did he do that? Well, certainly he prayed. But for Jesus, the the prayer was just a starting point. He prayed He sought the presence of God, not for some spiritual experience, but to equip himself for ministry. And then he went out and he destroyed the works of the enemy by preaching the good news, by healing the sick, by delivering the oppressed. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And you know, God's plan has not changed. His plan is still that... Today, that Jesus is manifested to destroy the works of the devil. In your workplace this week, he wants Jesus to be manifested. In your place of study, he wants Jesus to be manifested. In your community, he wants Jesus to be manifested. And he wants him to manifest through you and me. 
And as you begin to, to manifest Jesus, as you stir that gift on the inside, as the spirit of fear recedes and the spirit of power rises up in our lives, and we step out and reach someone for Jesus, so the kingdom of God expands. That is true spiritual warfare. Because as the kingdom of God expands, as somebody is blessed by God through us, then the darkness retreats and the works of the enemy are destroyed. I doubt if we will ever on this earth reach a position where we never hear the voice of fear. I don't think Jesus ever reached that position. But where, where the place Jesus lived in was a place where that voice had no impact on his life. He was in a position where fear might speak, but he didn't listen to its call. And I believe we can live there too. Fearless ministry is not about the absence of fear. It's about stopping fear telling us what to do. It's about getting to a place where fear no longer dictates our actions. It's about a focus in our lives on what the kingdom of God will gain if I step out, rather than on what I might lose. Fearless ministry means that my actions are led by the Spirit of God rather than the spirit of fear. Let's rise up. Let's determine to live in that realm this week. God will give us opportunities this week. That's, that's guaranteed. Remember, we're not battling against people. We're, we're not battling against the, the most evil person in your workplace. You, you've, you have no fight to pick with them. Your aim in the workplace is to bring blessing after blessing after blessing. To, to bring God into that workplace. But as we do, we take on the enemy. As we do, we, we strike down the enemy. As we do, we destroy his works and the kingdom of God advances through us. Let's pray together this morning. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.